In today's episode, Pia Silva tells us how her no BS attitude helps elevate her to thirty to fifty thousand dollar days in her business. Are you hitting a wall in your business because you feel like you're too busy? Do you ever wish there were more hours in a day? This podcast is for hyper-focused entrepreneurs who want to learn the secrets of superhuman productivity. Together, we're going to kick procrastination in the teeth. We're going to slice through BS excuses like a katana blade. We don't ever wonder what happened because we're the ones that made it happen. My name is Josh Thomas. You've now entered the do zone. Welcome to the DZ Tribe. Ask yourself, when you look at your calendar and you have something to do, what would happen if I didn't do it? Brad Martineau. DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas. If you haven't already, check out thedozone.com for productivity tips, accountability, and overall, just a bunch of great, badass human beings looking to get more stuff done. Once again, that's thedozone.com. Today's guest is a special treat. This is Pia Silva, founder of No BS Agency Mastery, and she helps one to two person branding agencies scale to 30 to 50K months while reducing their workload by up to 80%, all without employees. She's a TEDx speaker, Forbes contributor, host of the No BS Agency podcast, and author of the book, Badass Your Brand. I'm super excited to have you here with us, Pia. Welcome to the Do Zone. Say what's up to the tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. So excited to be here, Josh. What's up, Do Zone tribe? Um, you guys are my people. One thing I don't think people do enough when it comes to getting things done is working on the muscle of doing things that are hard and they don't know how to do it. So every time you drop yourself into an uncomfortable new position, you build this muscle that is getting more comfortable with the unknown and discomfort. And if you can, the more you can build that muscle, the easier it's gonna be for you to get up and get something done at any moment because you're not afraid of what might go wrong. Building the do muscle. I love it. The do muscle. Got to get the do muscle. Got to drink your do juice. Exactly. <laughs> Good times. I hope well, you're trademarking all of that. Josh. Yep. Yep. Patent pending. <laughs> patent pending, everybody. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, you bring up a great point. And, you know, I always show up to these interviews, Pia, and I have no idea what we're going to talk about. And so that's why I ask questions. And I just wait for you to show up with some gym. And then I just riff on that. And I sound like a genius and I take all the credit. That's what I do. And uh, so, so the do muscle, that's a real thing. And, and I think we should dive into that a little bit more. Uh, why, is it, why is it hard for me to get up in the morning? Well, because I don't get up in the morning. <laughs> you know, why is it hard for me to go to the gym after work? Well, it's because it's not something I'm used to doing. Does it get easier with each rep? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I remember speaking of running, um, my, my friend uh, Chris, and he's, he, there's an episode uh, called One A Mile a Day to 10K. Uh, and it's my friend Chris, and he decided on January 1st of this year, he was going to run a mile a day. That's his only goal. He said, I don't know. I think I can do that. It takes me 10 minutes or less. I can do that every day. And uh, he's definitely done that every single day. And he ran a 10K from it. 
but the first mile was tough. Uh, the second week, not so tough by month two, he had it down and so much so that he inspired me to start. And then I started and my first mile was like 14 minutes, <laughs> which is basically a brisk walk. If you're like 78 year old grandma in the mall or something, but, uh, did you I, even try to jog it or were you, I mean, you know, for, for the first couple minutes, I, I, you know, I briskly moved my my feet. Uh, but, but I exercised those muscles and they did get stronger and it started to become less intimidating. Now, what are some, what are some examples of, of, of how you've exercised that do muscle, if you will, in business? Because I know that there's a lot of people listening to this and they're, and they're stuck. They don't know how to get ahead. They don't know how to break through, uh, and everything that they know they need to do. It just seems too hard. Yeah. I mean, everything feels hard and unknown until you do it. Right. I mean, I think that's the underlying principle here for me. I can remember the first time I did almost everything in my business and how hard it was the first time I sent out an email to a very small list of people. The first time I pressed publish on a blog post that was terrible. The first time, definitely the first time I gave any sort of speech in public. But before that, the first time that I even reached out to anybody and said, Hey, I'd love to speak to your group. Could I do that? Do you think I could do that? Uh, these are all things that I obviously had never done at a certain point and they were terrifying at the time. And at this point, here we are years later and sending an email putting up a blog post, getting in front of a room of hundreds of people literally doesn't even scare me anymore, which is even crazy to say, because I used to be terrified when I would do that to a room full of four or five people. And the only way to, to get over that discomfort is to do it and to do it over and over and over again. And whenever I have other things that are new that I haven't done before that are scary. It's a little bit or a lot easier to try them now because my muscle for doing things that are hard and learning that the sky is not going to fall and I'm not going to die and I'm going to be fine. Having done that so many times, it, it just makes it easier to try the new thing now. So that's the muscle I'm talking about. Well, you know, and you, there's, there's a couple of points to make there. Uh, first and foremost, I, I can, I can relate hundred percent. I am an introvert. I'm super shy. I'm socially awkward. And it's, it's very difficult for me to fit into most situations, socially speaking. And, and I let that consume me for years uh, because I just figured, well, you know, I'm a real person and the people that really need to see me, they're really going to see me. And and then I just kept watching myself get passed by and passed by and passed by because I wasn't assertive. And that's where I realized, okay, well, I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone. And especially becoming an entrepreneur, I remember vividly the first time somebody handed me a microphone was at this conference in uh, 2015. And I'm standing in front of a room of 200 people and I'm supposed to tell some story of about a conversation I had. And, 
And I was just like, <laughs> like I couldn't do it, you know? Oh yeah, me too. That was the craziest thing. And, but fast forward to moving that muscle enough times, I got up on stage a few times as a, uh, as a panelist and it wasn't alone. Okay. And I got up a few times where I was leading a panel, still not alone. Uh, and the more reps that I got doing that, the more comfortable I got on the stage. And then I started this podcast and every episode that's not an interview is basically me uh, with a prompt. I have one prompt of something I'm going to talk about. And then I just start talking for like 15 minutes and I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth. It was a challenge, you know, like I'm not, I'm a very scripted guy. And so I just want to see what's going to happen if I don't, I don't have a single script. I'm just going to do it. And I worked that muscle up to the point to where I got up on a stage uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I had 20 minutes by myself in front of 450 people. And I had no script. <laughs> and part of me, like, like that fear crept in of like, well, dude, what if you get up there and you forget what you're going to talk about? And then that's where the do muscle kicked back in and said, nah, man, I got you. We've been in this place so many times that when you mess up, when you lose your place, when you forget what you're going to say, you just kick into improv mode and you catch up and you bring it back home. And because I'd done it so many times, I knew I could get up there and give a great presentation. And I did. And I was it perfect? Absolutely not. But was it eff effective? Yes. Did it need to happen? Absolutely. You know, and, and I, you and I go way back, Pia. Um, I actually interviewed you on my first podcast, How to Lose Money, 100 years ago with Paul Moore. And you, you shared a little bit of, of your story and, and how you actually got started into what you do now. And, and a lot of that came down to, you know, this, this moment where you said, okay, I've got to do things differently. I've got to look at things differently. Can you take us back to that? Uh, give, give this audience a little bit of a perspective of where you came from, where you went. Yeah. I mean, I will, on the theme of our conversation, I will say that throughout my experience before and getting into my own business, it's been about just jumping off the cliff, sometimes a little too fast, pivoting <laughs> quickly. This isn't working. Let me try something else yeah. that has allowed me to, that allowed me to uh, fall, fail fast, fall forward fast. What do they say? Fail fast. Fail forward. Um, I yeah. feel like I failed forward many times over the first three years of my business. I've, and also succeeded so much because of that, that three years into my business, I had both generated a quarter of a million dollars in sales and was in $40,000 of debt and pressed up against the wall. So, you know, it wasn't like things weren't happening. It was just that it wasn't working and being able to first freak out and feel like a failure and feel like this is not working at all. And then immediately be able to look at it a different way and say, okay, what can we do next? What could this look like? And that's how we pivoted into the business model we have now, which is what I teach in the no BS agency mastery program, which is instead of the traditional way that most, that everyone runs their small agency businesses, long projects over many months, and just 
classic, classic agency stuff where you're working with clients in an ongoing way for months and months and getting feedback and revisions. Instead, we said, well, what would it look like if we just basically did all the work and just gave it to the client and they didn't change it at all? And in theory, that sounded impossible, but then we said, no, how could we do that? And that's how we built the, the model that we have today. How could we? Yeah, that's a great question to ask. And because what, what it sounds like happens is, as far as I understand branding, branding agencies, you go in most situations anyway, you go in, you talk to the client, the client says, well, we need some branding. Okay, great. Uh, you know, ask you a couple of questions, you know, who's your spirit animal? Uh, what are your, what's your daughter's favorite color? And, and we come up with some ideas. Okay. I'm just going to toss this out. What do you think about this stuff? Eh, you know, can you make the color a little bit more blue and can you make the Fox like a little angry looking? And, you know, we go back and forth for months and months and we make hardly any progress and it's a bunch of low value work. Am I, am I close? Spot on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and so you being a branding agency, you're looking at that and you're like, that's horseshit. Uh, that's not a good use of my time. My skill is valuable. I can probably make 90 plus percent of the decisions for the client. I just need a little bit of input. How can I flip this industry on his head? That's the question you asked. Yep. I think that sounds better the way you said it. I think the question we asked was, how can we do only the things we like and none of the things we don't like? <laughs> That's a good question. That's the right question, really. You know, how can we do only the things we do like and none of the things that we don't like? And, and that will apply to so many people who are listening right now, whether you're a branding agency or not. And that's the question uh, to the tribe. I want to ask you, how can you change your business, change your structure, change your format so that you're only doing the things you do like and none of the things you don't like? That's a good exercise. I'd love to hear about that. If you're listening to this episode, tag me on the social media, uh, you know, send me a message. I want to hear from you. If you actually do that, if you come up with an idea, I want to hear that. Uh, and, and so you did ask that question, Pia, and how, how did you turn this on its head? What changes did you make that were different from the way that almost every other branding agency was set up? Yeah. Well, when we looked at how it had, we had been doing it like everybody else, um, we said, look, we like the work. We like the creative work. We like interacting with the clients. We love creating this brand. We love the first rush of showing it to them when they're so excited. And we basically hate everything after that. We hate going back and forth. We hate the clients just nitpicking on stuff that doesn't matter. We hate this dragging on for months. We hate these websites that never launch because clients can't get back to us. They can't get us their content. They, you know, they drag their feet on this and that. They, they rethink things later that they approved. Um, it's a mess and it's so much energy. And basically it's the projects start on this high and then just go wah, 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 like the rest of the way. So that the by the time, yeah, wah, wah. And by the time it launches, you're just so sick of it and over it. And you get that last check. Cause that's also how we used to do it. You, you know, you get the, the final check after it's launched or in order to launch it, that check just always feels so measly compared to the amount of work you had done at that point. 
So we said, we just want to do that first part. We don't want to do any of the other stuff. Oh, and by the way, that first part, we're doing an amazing job. The work is really, really good. The clients are actually watering it down with all of this dragging on and these revisions. Like they're not just like, if they're changing it, they're usually changing it for the worse because they're trying to placate some sort of fear that they have. So the, the, how, how, what can this look like where we only do the stuff we want and we don't do the stuff we don't want was, and Steve said this to me in passing. He was like, I wish people would just, we could just build the brands and they would just take it. Like they would just take it the way it is because they would be better off if they just took it the way it, it is the way that we built it. And we wouldn't have to do with all that BS. So that was the premise and it sounded impossible, but what it ended up being the process that we ended up developing is the one that we run now. And we teach now, which is a lot more thought goes in up front of understanding the clients of making, getting clear and to the bottom of the actual challenge and of painting a picture for them of what their goals are and what it looks like to actually get there. And not only does that process much deeper upfront work and deeper discovery work upfront, not only does it make the whole project come crystal clear to everybody, but it makes sure that the client feels really understood and clear themselves and also gets their buy-in for us. So they end up trusting us to lead them in this process. And that's critical because the rest of the process I'm about to tell you would not be possible if these clients weren't completely bought in and 110% trusting us to show them the way. So after we do that upfront work, then they're bought in. We know what the, the project is. We basically just do the whole project ourselves. And then we spend this one or two day intensive un, unrolling it for them, rolling it out in front of their eyes, getting their buy-in, getting a little bit of feedback, but mostly we're just tweaking it and finishing it off. And then it launches at the end of the day. And, you know, when I explain this to agency owners who have never heard of this before, anybody who's delivering creative work, they think that's impossible because their experience is that clients are the problem. Clients are the reason this drags on and on. Clients are the ones who can't make decisions and can't uh, you know, get back to you in time. And I tell them, well, that's because you're not doing the, the important work up front of getting their trust and their buy-in. So it was not an obvious change up front, but it's something that developed over time, as we tweaked this process and really got to the heart of how do we get clients to not just make decisions on the spot, but be excited to make decisions on the spot and to trust us implicitly. And that's really what the whole model that I developed and now teach um, is, is founded on. You made a, an important distinction in there that, uh, that we need to go back and, and touch on because you I shared so many important distinctions, Josh, but so many of them, which one did you pick up on? <laughs> which one of hundreds? <laughs> which? <laughs> yes. So the, the big one was this agency owners say, well, it's the clients that are dragging us down. And you didn't explicitly say, no, actually it's you, but it's definitely, if, if you are going to, be successful in this world, on this planet, in this society, you must take responsibility for every single thing that happens in your life. 
uh, I have my own core values. And one of my core values is own all outcomes. Okay. And it's very simple. If I've got a crappy client, it's because I am not serving them in the right way. If I have an employee that is not doing what they need to be doing, it's because I'm not a strong enough leader. Because I can't make somebody do something if I'm not showing them how to do it and, and, and ensuring with all of the effort that I can make that, they can, that they're doing this job. If I'm not owning that, they're never going to own it. If I don't own my relationship and the experience that the client is going to have, they're not going to own it. And, and that, I think exactly. is, that I think is the thread that really connects everything is you found a way to completely own this experience rather than expecting the client to own this experience, expecting them to understand how important deadlines are to you, even though they're not important to them. You own this experience, you own this relationship, and you show them this is how we do work. This is how you can be a good client for me. And you own that experience. That's powerful. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. And it also requires you to really trust yourself to deliver high results. I mean, I tell, I tell people it's, um, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. When you enact these strategies, clients will implicitly default to you and say whatever you think. And that means you've got to show up and deliver. So a lot of what I work with people on, it's, it's taking that responsibility. And then it's also building your own self-confidence in your ability to actually deliver work that's worthy of that kind of responsibility. And there are, there are some practical applications to this as well, like outside of business. Um, so for anybody listening here, if you happen to be in a relationship, uh, you may have run into a situation where you ask your significant other, uh, and I will, be, I will be gender neutral here completely, but you ask your significant other, hey, are you hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. What do you want to eat? Uh, I don't know. What do you want to eat? Well, I just asked you, so I was hoping that you would tell me what you want to eat. What do you want to eat? What do you want? And then there's like this whole debate and then you end up like yelling at each other, doors get slammed and you don't talk to each other the rest of the night, right? So, um, so that's one scenario. Or the other scenario is you come in, you walk in the door and you say, hey, honey, I brought you tacos. And then they're like, cool, I was hungry. Boom, done, right? You, you just solve the problem for them. Like, I feel like you probably want to eat a taco. And so I'm going to get you one and I'm going to avoid the whole entire other mess because that's unpleasant. Thoughts? Yes. <laughs> well, we don't have that problem in my family because I decide what we eat. For <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Fair but maybe it's because I take this approach in all areas yes. of my life. Steve, we're eating tacos tonight. Okay. It's like sweet. <laughs> yeah. Every time I ask thing. him, what do you want to eat? He's like, whatever. And, he, and I know he's, I know he's telling the truth. So yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And I guess I'll decide. But you got to take the lead. But sometimes you run into that situation. Oh, just whatever. And then you bring them, you bring in the tacos. And you're like, oh, I didn't want tacos. No, he would <laughs> never. He knows better. <laughs> that's, Fair enough. that's my mom. <laughs> there you go. So we will Pia, you're a fascinating person. And uh, I think what I want to do is bust out the bone saw and crack your cranium open. We're going to do the do zone diagnostic. Okay. 
ah, okay. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll put it back together. <laughs> so this is a series of five questions I ask every guest so that we can get to know how your brain works and soak up all that wonderful knowledge that we can. Just rapid fire, first thing that comes to mind. Number one, what is one thing you do that keeps you focused on your goals? Look at my list every day. Boom. Number two, how do you get back on track when you lose that focus? Talk to somebody that I know will inspire me. Okay, nice. And who is your support group, Pia, and how do they keep you accountable? Uh, I have lots of support groups. I have uh, my team and you in my business. I've got uh, a program that I'm a part of. I have entrepreneurial friends that I check in with, and I have my spouse that I also stay accountable to with written goals. Wow. I'm over goals with your spouse. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And how do you approach a difficult project that you're not quite sure how to complete? Oh, I hate when I can't see the clarity around the project. That's for sure. Um, first thing I do is sit down and map out a plan or talk to somebody who will get me inspired to map out a plan. It usually doesn't take that much because I'm a pretty action oriented person. So as long as I can just see a little bit of it, then I can map out all the steps. But if I can't quite see those, that's the hardest part. So I usually have to talk to somebody to help me get going. Gotcha. Last question. What's the number one pro tip you would give to somebody looking to get more stuff done in less time? Thinking, processing. I'm feeling up, up dead air. Hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> Stop dilly-dallying. Oh, you know, I'm not a dilly-dallier much, so I don't know. Uh, get more done in less time. Just be clear on what you're doing. Make, make your, get clear on what you're supposed to do next before you sit down to do it. So knowing what you're going to do tomorrow at the end of the day, the day before, that's a great way to get more done in, in less time. I love it. That is an excellent tip. And, uh, that's a, that's a good segue into what you're working on now. Uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, your business and who you serve and, and who would be a good candidate to connect with you, uh, either to do business or just to follow you or who, who is the person that you serve best? Well, I teach one to two person branding agencies, how to implement my branding agency model. So what's so fun about the agency that Steve and I, my husband, Steve and I uh, built is that we build entire brands in just a few days and we get paid $40,000 and up for these projects. And that means that we work intensively together for a few days and then it's over and we don't have any clients to manage and we don't have we just do our own thing. We just run our own business and that's it. And I just think so many other one to two person branding agencies out there, building websites, building brands, writing copy could really use this model because we found that it actually delivers higher results to our clients at higher prices and it's more profitable. So anybody that's working on their own or maybe with a partner or a team member doing branding, especially for small businesses, um, they would really benefit from 
reading my content. And if you want to chat, uh, we can do that too. Awesome. So one to two person branding agencies that are looking to uh, get more stuff done in less time. Hey, that's exactly what we do. That's exactly what you do. Awesome. And you also have a book out. Tell me a little bit about your book, because I think, I think your book applies to a wider audience than just branding. Yep. So I wrote Badass Your Brand, The Impatient Entrepreneur's Guide to Turning Expertise into Profit, specifically for small service businesses. So one to three person service businesses, you're selling your expertise, maybe you're a consultant or anything where you're brought in as the expert. And what I share is how to think about branding and standing out in your industry, specifically for this group. And it's very different than the generalized branding information you're gonna see out there where they're using Nike and Apple as examples of brands that stand out and we remember. That's total BS if you wanna think about what it means to brand you as a one person business. It's a completely different strategy. And I break down exactly how to do it. I break down how to find freedom with your pricing. I break down uh, all sorts of, I demystify all sorts of things that a lot of people hang on a lot of jargon to, to examine and explain. Yep. And, and I have read every page of that book and it, it really does get you motivated to go out there and do something different. Um, you know, the main thing that I remember from reading that book uh, that stands out to me was just what you were talking about earlier. What is the best way that I can do the things that I like and none of the things I don't like? And you have this, you had this concept in there that I won't go into too much detail for, for time purposes, but the, the brand up, right. Mm -hmm. It was this, it was this idea. Well, what if we just did this and then you did it and it worked and everybody loved it. And you just kept pushing and pushing and pushing the price. And I don't know if you're comfortable sharing, you know, what you charge for a, for a brand up these days, but. Yeah. Well, I think when I wrote the book in 2017, uh, we were charging $10,000 for a one day brand up. And now we charge 35,000 for a one day brand up. Yeah. So pretty good. That's pretty dang good, man. <laughs> pretty dang good. Pretty good for a day's worth of work. So, and, so. and, and your book really does give the blueprint for how anybody can do that. Uh, yeah, in, in branding pretty much or any outside. business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So badass your brand by Pia Silva. Uh, Pia, where can people go to uh, learn more about you and find you? Yeah, go check out nobsagencies.com and you can download the 30K blueprint, the blueprint to creating $30,000 months in your business. It's specifically for branding agency owners, but anybody who is a service business can benefit from that. Awesome. Well, really appreciate that. We're going to wrap from here. Thank you so much to our guest, Pia Silva, for joining us and sharing some wisdom about how she gets stuff done. You can connect with her directly at nobsagencies.com. And you can also pick up a copy of her book, Badass Your Brand. If you're a busy entrepreneur looking to get to the next level, head over to thedozone.com for more productivity tips, tools, and strategies. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? I have a job for you. Open up your phone or get out a piece of paper and write down these three questions. Number one, what is one important task I can get completely done today? Number two, when can I start it? And number three, what impact will that have on my life? Now answer these questions as best you can every single day this week. Then commit to taking action daily. 
Now you're in the do zone, baby. Let's go. Need some help with accountability? Are you stuck where you're at and not sure how to break through the barrier in front of you? Join the DZ tribe for free by visiting thedozone.com. We're a group of hyperactive entrepreneurs who want to help you get more stuff done. Oh, one more thing. If you know somebody who needs to hear this message, share it with them. Text them, email them, send them a DM on social media, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever. Be sure to tag us at The Do Zone. Also, keep the five-star written reviews coming over on iTunes. That helps new people find the show, hear it, and get themselves into The Do Zone as well. And always remember, the road to success is paved with imperfect action. So what are you waiting for? (laughs) Go do something already. See you next time.